More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. The review was underway when you guys gave a detailed statement about the first set of documents. The review was underway when the president spoke about the first set of documents. You're now saying that you didn't talk about the second set of documents discovered almost a month prior because the review was underway. Like, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. No, like, the I review think... was underway the entire time. The only difference was that reporters had information on the first set of documents, and therefore you chose to exclude the second set of documents until reporters got information on the second set of documents. Well, let me unconfuse you uh, for a second, Phil. Look, we are trying to do this by the book. I'm questioning that. That's not what we're asking about. We're asking about... I'm telling you that there's a process. I just laid out what the process I'm is, I'm and I'm telling you that process. we were trying to do this by the book, and it, it was an ongoing process. Let me unconfuse you, Karine Jean-Pierre says to a member of the press there, and then proceeds to confuse, I think, a bit more insofar as she's not really dealing with the substance that he raises, which is you guys, meaning the White House, knew more about this than you were telling the press. And now to the point that we're getting to here, Clay and I have been talking about when it comes to was, was this some kind of a plan or did they just step on you know the uh step on a a a rake step on a a bear trap here do they make a mess of themselves in the media um the answer increasingly to me clay looks like it's really just a cluster for them this is a this is a mess and that the white house is in a bit of a spiral right now um there are some pretty interesting theories out there uh representative hank johnson for example raised this yesterday play clip two alleged classified documents showing up allegedly in the possession of uh joseph biden you know i mean there's so much that needs to be investigated and that's what i call for is for everything to be investigated but i'm suspicious of the timing of it i'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people places and things can be planted things can be planted in places and then discovered conveniently, that may be what has occurred here. I'm not ruling that out, but I'm open in terms of the investigation needs to be investigated. Okay, Clay, can I just 
first off, I, he uses the word allegedly a lot. No one, when, when no side denies, those are just the facts. They yeah. are classified documents, and they were found. It's not like the Biden team's like, they weren't classified. They weren't found. Everyone agrees. These are facts. This is not alleged. But then, okay, who planted them? And for what purpose? I'm not, I don't think this is a serious theory, but, you know, we're playing them all out here. It would be a massive crime. Maybe OJ could find this person just like he's found, uh, been searching for the real killers. This, th- this buck was what I was saying yesterday. You're right. I think this is more incompetence than it is some grand plan. And what, what I still can't get around is if let's presume that all this has happened, right? You would want to put out your entire collection of classified documents that you've uncovered as one story. I think what happened here is, again, I still think the time frame is really interesting. And I think the Biden people should have to answer, who's been conducting this search? We still don't know, right? November 2nd, they say some person closing down the uh, uh, the uh, office made this discovery. Okay, who made the discovery in the garage at his house? Who made the discovery in the house? How many people even have access to Joe Biden's house right now while he is president of the United States? I would think there would be not that many who were even allowed on the premises, right? I mean, because you don't want somebody planting a bomb in the president's house, right? I mean, it has to be pretty secretive. Colonel Mustard in the solarium (laughs) with a candlestick. So I think what likely has happened is... You have a legal team, because I think Joe Biden hired his own private attorneys as soon as they found these classified documents, because there's evidence that he committed a crime. And then I think that legal team tried to shut down everything and did not communicate with the political team. And sometimes that happens, right? You have two dueling spheres of power. The legal team typically doesn't want to say anything because they're trying to protect you from gaining further legal liability. That's what your lawyer's job is. And again, these are private lawyers, not government lawyers. So the private lawyers are going to be telling Joe Biden, hey, say as little as possible. But the political realities are you have to say some things. So I suspect that Joe Biden, who is incompetent, is trying to manage now two dueling spheres of power his legal representation designed to limit his overall legal liability in a criminal context. Meanwhile, also the political realities. And then you combine that buck with, where does Corrine Jean-Pierre rank on the list of people that you have seen in public that you would want defending you in public, Buck? Like if we had an official spokesperson for the show... If you and I were not talking for the show, but we had somebody who came on after the show and would answer any questions that might arise, like let's just pretend we had our own press secretary. Corrine Jean-Pierre would rank like four billion on our list of who was going to speak for for the show. Well, you have you have to think about the audience though, because for Democrats, anyone who challenges Corrine Jean-Pierre, anyone who presses her on the issues racist, sexist, is a bully, homophobic a racist, homophobic and a bad person. That that so so there's the you know for for people that are just objectively listening to what she says and actually in that sense just you know treating her the way anybody would want to be treated. How good is she yes. at the job? She's not good at the job. But yes. if you're a democrat watching this, anybody who questions her, you can just shut it down right away. And and of course, as a result, 
she's incredibly effective for the Democrat base because if you push her, you're a bully, a racist, a bad person. Just push her on the issues. Just push her to actually get more questions. You know. And by the way, you know this. You you even see this on the right sometimes. If you have somebody who, if you question a, you know, if you question a woman too aggressively, even no matter what role she's in, some people say that's sexist and you're bullying. So. I think everyone in these roles should be treated absolutely equally when it comes to the kind of pressure and, and demands of the job that they're given. Um, but yeah, I, she's obviously not going to be top of the list for who, who I would, I would want to defend me in a court of law or a court of public opinion. And I will say, and we'll, maybe when we come back, we'll take some calls and also play some of the comedy, uh, some of the late night hosts are even teeing off on Joe Biden. I will say, I watched that Kareem Jean Pierre press conference yesterday. She got absolutely filleted. Because, Buck, we've talked about this before. The media will cover for you as long as you don't make them look dumb. If they look dumb, they get upset. That's true. And that's where they are right now because they're upset about the disclosures of the information. And just to you know, to bring it back to the 51 intelligence, because I think that was such a seminal moment for the media, they're okay with looking dumb to the other side if those are the orders, right? Yes. Meaning that they're okay with saying things that are stupid as long as they know, okay, like, we're all going to say, Joe Biden's not senile, like, vote for Joe Biden. Like, they, they'll say whatever. It's when they feel like, oh, I didn't know, and now I look like an idiot? You know, you didn't tell me that we were doing this? That's when the media gets upset about it. No, I don't think there's any doubt. We'll take some of your calls. We'll play the late-night host even teeing off on Joe Biden, which almost never happens. In the meantime, want to tell you about a great offer that's out there. My pillow has got some incredible sheets. They're made from the world's best cotton, Giza. Found in a region of Egypt, by that name, growing soft cotton is ideal there. Uh, and they want to make sure that you get the best sleep of your life, and you will sleep fantastically well on these sheets. I sleep on them every single night. So do my kids. Buck's got them in his home as well, and right now these sheets are on sale starting at less than 30 bucks a set. Use our names, Clay and Buck, when you go online, MyPillow.com. Every MyPillow product comes with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com, click on a radio listener specials to check out this flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. Remember to use the code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269. Again, Giza Dream Sheets, MyPillow.com. Use the code Clay and Buck. Truth after truth. You can handle the truth. Clay, Travis, and Bucks. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough. 
that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in Friday edition Clay Travis Buck Sexton show appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through the final show of the week encourage all of you to go check out the podcast you can search out my name Clay Travis you can search out Buck Sexton's name boom you can go subscribe and make sure that you don't miss a single moment uh, of the program, no matter where you may be or what your travel schedule might be as well. A couple little uh, news nuggets that came down um, that I think are pretty fascinating. Uh, the Washington Post, Buck, I was going to hit you with this. I thought you would appreciate it. Dr. Lena Wynn just published a story on the Washington Post editorial page. Lena Wynn, of course, remember, said that we needed to shut down borders of states. I mean, she was among the most draconian of people out there when it came to COVID restrictions. Suddenly saw the light of day, what about eight, nine months ago, probably, came out and said, hey, you know what? Masks don't really work. She's now got an opinion piece up at the Washington Post that says, and I'm reading the headline, we are overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalizations. That's a problem. And the opening couple of sentences, Buck, I think you'll appreciate because you, like me, have been making this argument for a long time, and it was considered a conspiracy theory, and no one would allow you to even mention it. Uh, here is her piece. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the United States is experiencing around 400 COVID deaths every day. At that rate, there would be nearly 150,000 deaths a year. But are those Americans dying from COVID in italics or with COVID, the with in italics? Buck, this is something that you and I have been arguing for a very, very long time. And it's frustrating to see what the Washington Post is having a truth week because earlier this week they came out and said, oh, by the way, the whole idea of Russia collusion being manifest on social media platforms didn't really happen like it didn't actually have any impact and now again for people out there who may have missed this if you have covid and you and you die if you and we've been we've making jokes about unfortunately things like this for a long time if you were in a car accident and you were severely injured and when you got to the hospital they tested you and you tested positive for covid and you later died you would count as a covid death even though it was actually the car accident that precipitated your death. Many old people, in particular, who are uh, not healthy, die with three or four comorbidities. Among them is COVID. It's not the cause of the death. It's with COVID instead of of COVID. Big difference. 
I do think that some of this just comes from the fatigue that members of the uh, of the Fauciite apparatus have with propping up the lies at this point. There's not an election coming up right now, and it's obvious that they were wrong about everything. I mean, even with Lena Wynn, I would just say she says cloth masks are decoration, but she still does the whole well-fitting mask thing. That is crazy. COVID is a continuously circulating endemic and rapidly mutating virus that people are going to be getting year in and year out. The good news, thank heavens, is that it has gotten less dangerous as a virus, as viruses tend to do. And unless you're in a very, very slim, uh, very small category, it's really not a big threat to you. We've known that for years, but now everyone kind of knows that. Uh, but I, but I think Clay that, you know, it just shows you where we are that there are still people that are clinging to cloth masks, even in, in situations where you're in a hospital or you're in a uh, doctor's office in New York City. That's still the case. Whenever I or my family members go to the doctor in New York City, they are handing out cloth masks when you go in. And as far as I'm concerned, they might as well be giving me like a magic wand and a witch's hat and saying this will keep you safe. <laughs> yeah. Like it's moronic. And they should be ashamed. Now, I know that there are hospital systems where, and people, another part of this is huge. The federal government basically determines hospital policy because so many hospitals are, you know, when you look at the portion of their budget that comes from uh, from Medicare and Medicaid and what gets reimbursed, and then all the regulations the federal government can just put on hospitals, they get to dictate and I think the hospitals, unfortunately, have been overtaken by the federal bureaucracy in a lot of ways. But doctors should be ashamed to tell people to put a mask on when they come into their office now. It should be a point of shame, and it's it's embarrassing. A couple of things. One surmisal, and I think Lena Wynn, who was on CNN all the time and writes at the Washington Post, one reason I believe, Buck, that she finally came out against masks was she has young children, and one of her young kids, I believe, has a speech-related issue and was having massive issues in school and in learning because being able to see the movement of a mouth is very integral to speech development for all kids, but particularly kids with speech-related issues. So I think that's one reason. The other thing I just wanted to read from this, and I want to get what your opinion is on this because it's frustrating to me. I appreciate the fact that what we've been saying for years now is suddenly able to be said in the Washington Post, but it doesn't feel like vindication. It almost makes me angrier that this is being treated as if it's some breathtaking, groundbreaking new revelation. I'm reading from Lena Wynn's piece right now. Two infectious disease experts I spoke with believe the number of deaths attributed to COVID is far greater than the actual number of people dying from COVID. Uh, And yeah, no kidding. We've been saying that for years. And here's a quote. Since every hospitalized patient gets tested for COVID, many are incidentally positive. A gunshot victim or someone who had a heart attack could test positive for the virus, but the infection has no bearing on why they sought medical care. And We've been saying this for years, so when you see this finally come out, what's your reaction, Buck? Because I'm just angry still that we had to fight these battles for so long, and the fact that this is treated as some new news story is infuriating to me. I I mean, I I don't ever want to sound petty, 
but <laughs> but you're going to sound petty based on this. That's always a good way to. I don't want to oh, sound. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I this mean, is going to. Yeah. But to all the people that were like, that's work and like lockdowns are good and all this. We were right. They were wrong. End of story. And honestly, I think there should be a lot of apologies. I, I think it is pretty stunning. I can't say surprising, but it's still stunning that there are so few people who are deeply ashamed of their position about vaccine mandates and how dirty, unclean, and unsafe the unvaxxed were and all this stuff. There should be people who are doing, you know, weepy videos on TikTok about how they were fooled, about how they treated people terribly. They rooted for people to get fired from their jobs over that. They cheered in some cases when the unvaxxed died. Heinous, awful stuff. And sure enough, very, very few. I I have seen, I'm trying to think, um, Jordan Peterson, to his credit, admitted he was way too pro the vaccine. He's one person on the right who has said that. And look, we all can get things wrong, and accountability and self-growth is something we should encourage. So, fine. But he's admitted that. You know, he believed way too much of, like, the Canadian Health Service propaganda. There's some random Australian fitness influencer i saw that yeah you talked about him yeah i mean he came out and he's like i'm sorry i feel like such a moron like i can't believe i told all of you to get the shot it was totally worthless but look he was in australia which was you know covid's east germany so you know other than that have you seen a single person going on any of the major networks to say i got this really wrong and i'm sorry i think that's important i think that it matters because you have the same people i mean like lena wen's going out there still giving health advice yeah, Fauci, that evil Smurf is still walking around lecturing people about what they should do and the shots and, and the origins of COVID. There has been no accountability for this whatsoever. And I still sit here and I, I walk around and like, when you fly, you see people wearing masks on planes. I want to free their faces. I just want to tell well, them I told it's you okay. this. I agree with you, too. And by the way, one more sentence from this piece. Uh And I wonder what the reaction is from the people who have somehow missed being a part of team reality. But in this Washington Post editorial, 90% of patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness, according to an attending physician that Lena Wynn is quoting at Emory Decatur Hospital. Can we be clear, Clay? That didn't just start happening. No, that's what I'm saying. This is is what everybody needs to understand. They have been massively systematically and intentionally overcounting COVID deaths, COVID hospitalizations for years. Yes. For years they've been doing this. And when you start to look at it that way and you start to understand how they've completely messed up the data, I mean, this was an experiment in mass form. Yeah, and also it caused us to miss more severe issues. Not even talking about what might be going on right now with the COVID shots and how they're not working. But, Buck, I know you were talking about it, and I was certainly talking about it. We got people who had heart issues or cancer fears or severe health-related concerns not go to the doctor because they were afraid of COVID. And so we added up all of these different health outcomes that could have been handled if they had been treated accurately 
by terrifying people that if they went to the hospital, they were going to catch COVID and die when the reality was you needed to still be getting medical condition for many different things out there. If you had diabetes, you you didn't need to not go to the doctor because you were afraid you were going right. to get COVID, right? But also at, at, a, at a macro level, like at the 30,000-foot level, all of the COVID interventions, and I mean all of them, basically, uh, with the exception of the vaccine, which was supposed to be the silver bullet kill shot, it's over, you're good. Clearly, that's not the case. But all of the rest of it, all the rest of it, whether it's masking, lockdowns, social distancing, everything was premised upon this, the false promise of a vaccine that was effective and would end this. Yes. Which never actually happened. So when they say mask up, the notion of these mitigations or interventions of limited duration having any public health benefit is a lie. It yes, does nothing. All of them. Because all you're of them going fail. to get it. You're going to be exposed to it. There is no, it, it, it made no difference whatsoever. That's why everyone has to remember the very beginning, 15 days to slow the spread just for hospital capacity. Because at that point, everybody knew, well, hold on a second. Like, you're going to have to go back and live your life. You're going to be exposed to this. They managed to roll 15 days, and it did occur under the Trump administration. And this was a huge miss, and this was a big weakness, and people need to be honest about that. Um, they turned 15 days to slow the spread into two years of tyranny, lunacy, stupidity, and political targeting, all under the guise of protecting you from COVID with false numbers, false promises, and false science. And as if all that were not bad enough, you were talking about at the airport. I mentioned this on the show a while back, Buck. When I see a kid, like I, I was at the airport recently, I saw a two-year-old wearing a mask at the airport. It It is child abuse. If you are putting your young child in a mask, you can be an adult and make a stupid decision, unfortunately. But to me, when you're putting children in masks, given the fact that we now know all the data reflects that kids have zero risk. We talked with David Zweig earlier, Buck. He actually said that you're better. Remember, the study that he was talking about is you're better off if you were elderly spending time around kids. You had better health outcomes than if you stood, stayed away from them. It's child abuse for any kid to be in a mask and still be wearing one, in my opinion. And it's indefensible. Look, Legacy Box, company that solves family dilemmas for everybody out there. We were talking about, hey, you saw Joe Biden storing stuff in his garage. How many of you right now have some of your family memories stored in the garage, stored in the attic, outside of a safe place, inside a climate-controlled home? And you know right now, you're listening to me and you're like, yeah, that box shouldn't be there. Shouldn't have that box in the attic. Shouldn't have that box out in uh, the garage. Maybe it moved recently. You're not even sure where some of your family memories are. It's a good time right now as you start to maybe make a New Year's resolution about preserving your family's history forever. Get hooked up with Legacy Box. They've been doing this for a decade now. They've helped a million and a half families preserve their memories forever by transferring all of their old pictures, all of their old film, film reels, VCR tape, Wherever your family's memories are stored, you can put them on a digital file to preserve forever. They do it in the state of Tennessee, my home state, in Chattanooga, my mom's hometown. You can fill up a box. They'll send it to you. They ship it uh, back to you. All of your memories preserved forever. Big discount waiting for you when you head to the website. They will take care of your family memories. Get them back to you, maybe even in time for Valentine's Day. 
Go to LegacyBox.com slash Clay. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Get them out of the garage. Get them out of the attic. Preserve those family memories forever at LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Learn and laugh. Weekdays with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us, and I hope that you are having a fantastic time so far on your Fridays. We get ready for the weekend. We're joined now by Congressman Jim Jordan, the new head of the Judiciary Committee, and also the man who is going to be heading up a deep dive into collusion, big tech, big media, big government, all of that. And Congressman, first of all, congratulations. Uh, I know it's been a a, a crazy time for you. Uh, (laughs) What are you most looking forward to now that you will have a gavel in your committee and in multiple committees, really? I guess that's a subcommittee that you'll be heading up as well. Uh, What are you most looking forward to? Um. The whistleblowers, we've had dozens of whistleblowers come forward. I think many of them are going to be willing to be deposed, willing to testify, and letting them, people in the FBI, good people who have served our country, who now have come and talked to us and told us how bad it's gotten, letting them come tell their story to the American people. I think that is, I think that is just real important. And then I think pointing out the, the, the sort of the, the template that, that has been used by this administration to, to go after people with a different political persuasion. Um, you had the school boards issue where there was a letter from the left-wing group that was the predicate for the now-famous memo that said use the Patriot Act against parents and uh, who were showing up at school board meetings advocating for their, for their son or daughter. And what happened there is whistleblower told us t- over two dozen parents actually had an FBI agent show up at their home simply because they went to talk at their school board meeting and then look at the same template that was the, the, the template that was used um, – when you had 51 former Intel officials write the letter, that became the predicate for big tech, big, big uh, government to collude to keep information from the American people in the run-up to the election. I think there's a pattern, and we want to we want to show that clearly and get to the bottom and get every every bit of fact, every bit of truth out there for the American people. Congressman Jordan's Buck, appreciate you being with us as always. The accountability piece of this, I mean, obviously, getting the truth out there is step one, and I know that's going to be a yep. major focus of what your your committee uh, will be doing. But what could be done about it? I mean, I know there are limitations now because of control of the Senate and the White House, but I do think that laying out for people how things like the FBI could be reformed to avoid yep. this kind of political weaponization is critical. What does that look like? I mean, how do, how do we you know, fix some of these things after we've identified the problem? Well, we're, we're going to get the facts out there, but yeah, we, we hope that through the course of this investigation, there'll be there'll be legislative remedies, legislative changes that make sense that will help uh, better protect Americans' First Amendment liberties, better protect them from a government that we think is going after people who are who have a different political mindset. So, uh, like one of the things I think makes sense is if the FBI is going to interview someone, instead of them just writing it down, maybe they should have an audio tape of that. Maybe if we had an audio tape of the interview they conducted of Michael Flynn, none of that would have ever happened. So maybe that's just one comment. We, we've offered that as an amendment before. Of course, the Democrats were against it uh, in, a, in a markup in our committee. Um, I think another thing it just sort of step, you know, kind of it kind of makes sense to me, or something that I notice at least is why are so many people who leave government? Why do they still keep their clearance? These 51 former intel officials who signed that letter, do they still have a clearance? My guess is many of them do. Is that a good thing? A bad thing? I think that at least warrants a discussion, and maybe that's some something we will look at going forward. 
And then other things that we may learn in the process that need to be changed legislatively, we will certainly look to do that and hope that Democrats will join us. After all, Democrats actually used to care about the First Amendment, protecting people's basic liberties. Um, but I don't know if that's the case now, based on, uh, particularly on what Jerry Nadler said on the debate on this resolution earlier this week. Even before we passed the resolution, he said, this is political. We're going to fight this tooth and nail. And that, that was sad for us to hear because, like I said, I remember a Democrat party that actually used to care about respecting free speech rights and freedom of the press and freedom to petition and assemble and all the other things we enjoy in this great country. Jim, uh, I'm sure you've seen the revelations associated with Adam Schiff and the demands that he made about yeah. censorship. Tell me if you agree with this idea. Um, I, I, I have struggled with all these demands for censorship that we have seen coming out from Twitter. And we know we're only seeing a tiny portion of them because it's going on at Facebook, it's going on at Instagram, it's going on at YouTube, yep. Google, everywhere else. What do you think about this idea? And I'm curious whether there'd be any bipartisan support at all, but certainly I think Republicans should be able to pass it. If you request that there be a censorship from a big tech company, there should have to be a clearinghouse for all of those requests, and they are then published so that people can yeah. go through and look and see, oh, Adam Schiff was trying to get a parody account taken down because he didn't like the yeah. fact that it was making fun of him. Uh, you know, I understand some requests are important. If somebody's pretending to be you uh, or another member of Congress or another yeah. member of government and they're, you know, attempting like fake accounts to be you, that's important, right? But this idea that you're getting somebody blocked because of the content that they're producing, I think we should all be able to see it, and I think it would embarrass so many of these people and shine light on it. Any possibility of a clearinghouse like that that you could see making Trans sense? Yeah, transparency totally makes sense. And, and remember, that's not what Schiff did. Schiff tried to get a journalist what they posted taken down. Now that oh, there's multiple. There's new ones up. There's new ones up today, Jim, where he was trying to get like oh. accounts that were making fun of uh, things he didn't like taken down as well. You're oh, right. They're more had, severe, I... more severe with the journalists. But all of those requests, yeah. to me, Good should 100 percent be public. Yeah, particularly when it's coming from a you know a high-ranking government official trying to leverage a private company to censor speech of, of, of a fellow uh, fellow American citizen. So, yeah, I, th I think that what part of our plan to deal with this with regarding 230 and other things is a transparency component that we think makes sense. And we'll be working with the Energy and Commerce Committee on legislation that we'll bring forward in the House uh, to to address the concerns of big tech censoring uh, conservative conservative views and, and the issue you just talked about, even the parity accounts. Yep. What does? By, by the way, by the way, I, I got to tell you because I landed yesterday. Yes. I, was, I, was gonna, I landed at five yesterday in Columbus. We're driving home, and uh, I, 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 I was listening to you guys, uh, your podcast, and uh, I have no idea what dinosaur uh, dinosaur oatmeal is about. Uh, <laughs> but Buck is Buck is a hundred percent right. My, my wife, we have chickens. She she built this this chicken coop, and he's a hundred percent right about eggs. And our uh, the, the chickens we have are. Our corn fed, free range, all, all the good stuff. So, uh, but I thought I'm, I'm driving home and I'm like, Clambucker talking about dinosaur oatmeal and and how you cook eggs. 
but uh, so you're informing America. By the way, Jim, you like I, to I, share I, a broad <laughs> palette of knowledge. Yeah, on you the never show. know what you're going to hear. I got to say, this morning I was out of dinosaur oatmeal, and I'm afraid that I've got it sold out all over the country now because I couldn't make it for my eight year old, and uh, it was not my a happy family. Morning. Clay was texting me. They're like, "That sounds delicious." Like my mom and my yeah. dad. They're like, "That sounds delicious." I'm going to get some dinosaur oatmeal. So <laughs> sponsorship, yeah, maybe. I'm, like, I think we need to we need to have a conversation I about this. I love oatmeal, but I have no idea what dinosaur oatmeal is. But I do know what good eggs are. And and uh, Buck, you're you're. Uh, but my wife, she is so into this. We got I don't know these different different colored eggs, different colored chickens, and corn fed. She's got all the stuff to make sure they're warm in the winter. And they're, they're oh yeah, I call the chicken coop the Taj Mahal where these, where these chickens <laughs> stay. It's you, you want you want chickens to be happy. You know, you want chickens to be strutting <laughs> yeah. their stuff and feeling good and sunshine on their face, and then laying those eggs. <laughs> Uh, you learn it's everything true. on this great show, I guess. Okay, Congressman well, Jim Jordan, we always appreciate serious, you, sir. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you soon, okay? You bet. Take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Friends, there's no substitute for being prepared with a plan when things go wrong. Having a supply of food and provisions at home in the event of an emergency is as smart as buying health, car, or home insurance. That's why both of us have a supply of emergency food from My Patriot Supply. You should as well. And there's a beginning of the year sale on it now, too. Right now, you'll save $200 on their three-month emergency food kit, which gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks, enough to feed one person for three whole months. You can't go wrong with this. Consider it a backup plan in the event of an emergency. And you can't lose when you save $200 per kit. So go to preparewithclayandbuck.com to grab this discount. You'll have tasty hot meals three times a day, including dessert. Get at least one kit for each person in your family so you don't run out. Go to preparewithclayandbuck.com right now and save $200 per three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. Preparewithclayandbuck.com is that website address right now. Save $200. Go to preparewithclayandbuck.com. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia. And you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hour of Clay and Buck on this Friday, January 13th. Whoa, that just sunk in. Did you realize that, Clay? Yeah, I did because I was uh, paying attention to the uh, some of the memes that were coming out today of, uh, of Friday the 13th. Oh. And I always like, it's always a good excuse to think about horror movies in general. And I'm always in the back of my head thinking, when are my boys old enough to start to get to see some horror movies, right? Because you don't want them sleeping and unable to sleep showing up, you know, in the middle of the night trying to climb into bed with you, which happens if they watch them too young. But you also don't want to leave them like the Stranger Things debate was one we had in a big way. So we got our friend Andy McCarthy with us now of National Review. He's a Fox News contributor. Southern District of New York federal prosecutor for over 20 years. Andy, great to have you back. How are you guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. Uh, Great to have you here. And let me just start with this, Andy. I mean, what the heck happened yesterday? How surprised were you that Merrick Garland announced that there had been this special counsel appointment looking at a Democrat? Well, I think, Buck, that he played politics with the appointment of a special counsel for Trump, which was completely unnecessary. The only reason for doing there's nothing inherently conflicting about the Biden Justice Department investigating Trump and the, the fig leaf that like the fact that he announced that he was a presidential candidate somehow changed things was ridiculous. But he did it because he wanted to create some distance between himself and Biden for what looked at that point like the certainty that Trump was going to be charged in connection with these classified documents. But, you know, he looked ridiculous doing it because for two years he hadn't appointed one in what they like to call the Hunter case, but what I call the Biden investigation, which is what it ought to be. Um, And then, of course, when this thing emerged, he really didn't have any place to hide anymore. So I think it's it's to this guy, uh, John Lausch's credit, that – he looked at this thing in a preliminary way and said, and looked at the regs and said, look, you know, there's a obvious basis to believe a crime was committed here. And there's a profound conflict of interest in the Biden administration and the Biden justice department, uh, trying to investigate president Biden. Um, you know, we've had history where, uh, some people haven't made that call, even when it was an easy call to make. So credit to Lash for uh, making it. And I think Biden, get some credit for going along with it, but I think it was really his hand was forced by his own playing politics with Trump. Okay, so Andy, I appreciate you coming on. You've been killing it on all your analysis. Buck and I have basically, what I believe is going to happen is we have a little bit of a disagreement about how exactly it'll go down. I think at some point in the summer, Merrick Garland will come out and wag his finger and say, This is probably crimes by both Trump and Biden. This is evidence of how we need to take classified documents more seriously. But I'm going to use the reasonable prosecutor standard, the complexities associated with privilege claims and everything else. 
and I'm not going to bring criminal charges against ETH either. That's my prediction. Do you buy into it? Uh, part one to that idea. Part two, do you do you buy into Biden basically killed the classified document investigation of Trump by his own incompetence? How would you assess where we are and where we're going? So I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I actually think they're both true. I, yeah. I agree with you. Um, in a bottom line sense, I do think that what they'll ultimately say is that neither of them gets prosecuted. But I think what Garland will do is not connect the decision together because that'll look like it's a political calculation. So I think, Clay, that you're right, that that's where it ends up. But what I imagine he'll do is he'll say that Biden's uh, offense was easier to decide than Trump's because, there, you know, Trump's was so much more uh, serious by degree, blah, blah, blah. And he'll he'll cut Biden loose first. He'll make Trump dangle for a while. And then ultimately, you know, they'll drop the Trump investigation, too. OK, building on that, Buck and I were having this conversation. You've probably spent some time contemplating these these special counsel investigations can expand, right? Obviously, yep. we saw Whitewater for Bill Clinton turn into an affair with Monica Lewinsky. We know that right now the Trump special counsel is considering both the classified documents and also simultaneously all the January 6th re related concerns. How would a special counsel handle two divergent path uh, cases? Can can the special counsel in that case come out and say, hey, here's I've resolved the classified documents investigation. Here's one half of what I'm doing. And as a part of that bigger question, what happens if this guy, Robert Herr, who you may or may not be familiar with? I'm curious if you are. What if he suddenly says, oh, boy, this connects to the Ukraine issue with Hunter Biden. This classified document case is not just about documents in the garage beside the Corvette. It's actually about far larger issues. How do these things get resolved? How would you contemplate them? Well, to begin with, I don't know her. I think he's got a good reputation, but I don't know him uh, at all. Um, I'm willing to obviously, like all of us, you know, let's see how he performs. Um, as far as this, this plays out, I'm pretty cynical about this. So, I think it's very interesting that Garland gave a wide mandate to the Trump special counsel, basically telling them, we're not going to interfere with you at all. You have the January 6th case. You have the documents case. And if anything else comes up along the way, you know, have at it. And with, with Biden, from what I can detect, it's a very narrow avenue of an investigation where he's supposed to be confined to the classified documents and presumably he would have to if he stumbled on another crime as he was investigating he'd have to go back to the attorney general to get expanded authority and the reason i underscore my um cynicism about this is there's also reporting play in the last couple of days that they're probably about to take a tax plea from hunter biden um which would involve a couple of tax years uh, it's not clear whether they'll throw in a false statement on the on the gun application. Um, but I have a feeling that they're going to say there's no reason to expand the authority for the President Biden special counsel because the Hunter Biden case is a closed matter. You know, we took a plea from him and that's done. 
So, Andy, that's um, that's what and, I think that they're going to close that one pretty quickly. Keep it very narrow. Yeah. Keep the Trump thing going. And you, you know, and, and that's that's been my assessment as as of today. So I agree with you on all that. Um, but on the question of charges against Trump, is it basically, you know, from what you're seeing here, because Clay and I are both sensing to bring a document charge against Trump, even an obstruction uh, charge in relation to the classified documents. I don't know if I don't know if that dog will hunt, right? I don't know if that's going to work. Does that mean yeah, that there's think, in, in your mind there's first of all do you agree with that and then also do you think that that means that there's unlikely to be any actual indictment of Trump or you think they still might go for something? Yeah, I think you know, look, it's very important to the left that Trump get charged. And I you know, a week ago if you had asked me this, I would have said on a scale of 1 to 10 it's an 11 that he'll get charged on the Mar-a-Lago documents. I thought they were just waiting you know, for an opportune time to do it. Now I think the documents case is blown up. Um, but and I, I think you guys have probably noticed this as much as I have. The Democrats' rhetoric in the last three days has become very interesting. They're not talking about document retention anymore. They're talking about obstruction of the grand jury and subpoenas and all that. So they're trying to they're trying to change the Mar-a-Lago investigation from the same conduct that that Biden right now is uh, in the trick bag for uh, and turn it into something different. Like, you know, Trump is qualitatively different because he lied to the grand jury or he, you know, he, he flouted the subpoena or whatever you want to uh, say. I don't think for, for the reasons you just suggested, I don't think that's going to work because in the public mind, that's a classified documents case. And that, I don't think that's going to change. So what I think is likely is they'll redouble the efforts to make a January 6th case, which, by by the way, I think on its own would be a travesty because the Justice Department's taken the position in the 900 cases that it's that it's brought against January 6th people that Trump is not involved actionably in the violence of that day. So the only way you can make an obstruction of Congress case on Trump is if you criminalize John Eastman's legal theory. And I think if you go, if we're going to go down the road of criminalizing a legal theory, when I was a prosecutor, you know, defense lawyers are very creative uh, folks. Uh, I could have indicted five people a day for frivolous legal theories. Um, I, I just think that that would be an insane thing for us to do. And I hope Garland is uh, is, is cares enough institutionally about the Justice Department that he won't go down that road. But I do think if the documents case is blown up, they're going to they're going to be looking at January 6th again. And, and you know, they have all that pressure from uh, the January 6th committee. Right. They put all that uh, stuff out very theatrically at the end about like referring stuff to Congress and claiming that he committed a bunch of felonies. And, and by the way, by the way, Andy, I'm glad you brought that up about the legal you know rationale that was floated out there. Remember, in the omnibus, and it didn't get a lot of attention, but they spent $1.7 trillion. They also tried to clean up the legal loophole as it pertains to the arrival of the electoral votes in terms of what the vice president's role is. To me, if I'm defending Trump, I'm saying, well, there has to be some ambiguity if the United States Senate and the House both said, hey, let's clean up this mess so we don't create another January 6th, it may not be a great legal argument, 
But there are, as you well know, lots of really bad legal arguments that are trotted out there in defense. The fact that they tried to clean that up, I think, is actually huge for Trump, and I haven't seen anybody talk about it. But I wanted to go back to uh, this independent counsel. We're talking to Andy McCarthy. You watch him on Fox News, former prosecutor. He does an incredible job uh, laying out a lot of these details. If they're going to go after him on January 6th, and I think you're right, that's what Buck and I have said, that they now basically don't have a really good route on the classified documents. What do you think Merrick Garland's reaction was when he found out that Joe Biden had his own classified documents scandal? Like what You've been in the room sometimes when you get information you don't want to get. On November, November 4th, when suddenly... Uh, Merrick Garland finds out he thinks maybe he's got a case to be made not that difficult against Trump on the classified docs, I bet. And suddenly Joe Biden just trips and falls all over himself right into this mess. What do you think his reaction was? Well, you know, I, I go back to what did uh, Barr call his memoir, uh, what one one damn thing after another? And the, yeah. the upshot of it is that, like, Several times a day, if you're the attorney general, what comes to you is like these things that just go like everything that could conceivably goes wrong, goes wrong. Um, and the other thing is anyone who either knows of the career of Joe Biden or has spent any time <laughs> around him can't be surprised when something like this happens. I mean, yeah, I I wrote about this yesterday. This uh, To me, this is just the classified documents iteration of biden's career right there's nothing if you followed you know the plagiarism and the and the uh, inflation of his resume and the stupid things he says and the being wrong on every major security and foreign policy issue for 40 years the one word that does not scream out when you think about this career this guy's career is careful right <laughs> so um how surprised can we be that that something like this happened. And I actually think we even have a pretty good theory for what happened here. He wrote a memoir in 2017, right? The first box that they say they discovered um, had information in it about Bo Biden, including the the, uh, funeral. And a lot of uh, the classified documents apparently were part of his, you know, pertain to his foreign policy portfolio in the Obama administration. So it's Ukraine and Iran and the U.K., so what's the memoir about? The memoir is about Bo Biden and his tragic death interspersed with Biden's foreign policy portfolio in the Obama administration. So how how crazy would it be to imagine that he was writing a memoir and he was using government documents to try to, you know, get his get his facts in order? Um, it, it, you know, it seems to me like there's a pretty rational explanation for this. Now, they can't come out and say that. Because then it means that he intentionally knew that he had these documents in places he wasn't supposed to have them. So their story, and this, is, again, is uh, probably based on Biden's background, is he's clueless. He doesn't know why he has them. And it's like the documents walked into his office and his garage and every place else by themselves. Um, if you're Garland and you've been watching this guy and working closely with him for a couple of years and you knew him, you know, you know Garland's been in politics in the law, at least, uh, for a long time. He was a high official in the Clinton administration. Uh, I think Biden was uh, on the Judiciary Committee when they put Garland on the on the court. Um, so, you know, he knows who Biden is. And am I sure that when he first heard this, um, he went, 
Yeah, I'm sure he did. But, like, how surprised can you be? Yes, that's what we've been saying. I, I think this is – people are thinking this is a big scheme, Andy, to get rid of Biden. I, I think this is another Biden lightning strike of stupidity. I, I don't think uh, – that, well, that, to me, but, seems but, like the more plausible well, place. Do you think both of those things can't be true, though? I mean, well, that, no, well that's – Somebody had to drop a dime on him, right? Well, see, the, ah, we're like literally, we got like no time, Andy, before we have to go to a hard break, but just real quick, why didn't they just get rid of the documents right away? Yeah, it's, it's very intriguing. I, we need to find out how this got reported to the FBI. I mean, it's just very strange. Yes. Okay. Well, we're going to focus in on that. We totally agree. Andy, thank you so much for being with us. There we have it, Clay. A conspiracy and a lightning strike of stupidity opportunistic if you will in the whole situation we'll, we'll we'll return to that that's a fascinating uh point Andy made rising inflation volatile stock market how are you gonna make money next year with the money that you have how do you protect the wealth that you have created over time your 401k uh, your bank accounts all that stuff look at what's going on in the markets look there's a lot of uncertainty out there how about you get yield that you can count on with the phoenix capital group they want you to diversify your investments they're introducing investors to high-value oil and gas investments here in the U.S. with current yields ranging from 8 to 11% APY paid monthly. These are corporate bond offerings, and they're open to all investors with annual interest paid monthly. Phoenix Capital Group offers live webinars to learn about Phoenix's business structure, ways they offer security for their offerings, risks, and their financials. They host live Q&As where they'll answer all your questions. Sign up at investingwithphx.com or call 323-PHOENIX. Now, investment in bonds has a certain risk, and before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Sign up today at investingwithphx.com. That's investingwithphx.com, or call 323-PHOENIX to connect. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, voices of sanity in an insane world. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 